Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. We're looking at James chapter number two tonight. As you're reaching for your Bible, I want to remind you, if you don't have a Bible, you can take that one with you in the pew. All I ask is that you wear it out, read it, understand it. The Bible actually teaches us and all you're getting, get understanding and get wisdom. And you'll find that in God's holy word. Tonight, we choose to leave the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy is divine and not human in origin. We here at Riverside believe in sola scriptura, and that's the Latin phrase that means the Bible and the Bible alone. We also believe in sola fide, which means faith and faith alone. We also believe in sola Christus, and that's Latin phrase that means Christ and Christ alone. We also believe in sola gracia. You got to roll the R a little bit. Gracia, and that means grace and grace alone. We also believe in sole deo gloria. And that means for God alone receives the glory and he certainly will receive the glory this evening as we look in the book of James. I remember I've told you that actually the book of James was written by the half brother of Jesus. And if he grew up in the household with Christ, however, he was familiar with Jesus. However, he did not believe that he was the son of God. I have brothers. I'm sure you have brothers or siblings, nephews or cousins. And there's no way you'll probably say they're God. They might, you might say they're the devil. But you won't say they're God. So we know it takes an inter- it takes a, a, a wonderful work, a, a miracle for God to change the heart, to have somebody to be converted. Otherwise, we could not convert ourselves. It's a work done by God and Him alone. Amen. The first creation back in the book of Genesis, where God actually spoke into the darkness and there was light. He created the earth out of form, out of chaos, out of nothing. That's the same work that He does in the believer's life. He speaks out of into the darkness and causes the light to illuminate. The Bible tells us he actually transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Who does all that? Well, God does that. Amen. As we look in the book of James tonight, we're looking at faith without works. As many people know that one of my favorite theologians is Martin Luther. You might know a little bit about Martin Luther. If you don't, stick around. I'll be sure to tell you about Martin Luther. He was a monk back in the 1500s. He was in the Catholic tradition and the Catholic church, or I like to call it the Catholic cult. The Catholic cult has all these obstacles and idols that are integrated, worldly things that are integrated into the system to keep man done down, where they don't understand redemption and grace. They make an intercessor between a, a person and Jesus. They put not only the priest there, but they put Mary. All the obstacles you can imagine. Then one day, by God's power and his might, he illuminates in the young man Martin Luther and tells him that he's saved by grace alone. He's justified by faith. He looks in Romans chapter number 1, chapter 1, 16. He says that we're justified by faith. And that causes the lights to go off 
in his life. It causes the, 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 the shade to be pulled back and the curtain to be pulled back. And God's grace illuminated in Martin Luther and he started the Protestant Reformation. Now, the initial thing was to reform the church, to, to go in and, and fix things. It, we didn't want to split off from the main church, but that's why we're Protestants today because we believe that we're saved by grace alone, by the work of Christ and him alone. We don't need the Pope to intercede for us. We don't need a priest to stand on the other side of a veil and we confess our sins to the priest. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, throwing down our sins before Jesus and pleading our case and he bestows grace upon us because he's a forgiving God. So that's why today we're called the Protestants. Protestants are usually Baptist, Methodist, you name it. If you're not Catholic, you're probably Protestant. But it was started by Martin Luther. But Martin Luther said something about the book of James. He called it an epistle of straw. He did not like the book of James. When he taught it, he was not completely reformed. He was not, let's just be honest, he wasn't saved. He was in the Catholic tradition. He was a professor and he taught other monks. He taught other people who came to listen and study the Bible, but he was not converted himself. See, in the Catholic tradition, they tell you that you are saved by works. That means working to get to heaven. You have to do work to get to heaven. And Martin Luther now was now converted. And he was just a young Christian. But he did not like the book of James because of what James says. James tells us that we are saved and we have works. So Martin had struggles when he read the book of James because as he reads, if Martin remembers, if he remembers the book of Romans uh, about a year ago, a year or two ago here at Riverside, we went verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the book of Romans. And we saw where Paul told us that we are justified by faith alone. That's why we say faith alone. You notice one of the solas is not works alone, it's faith alone. So Martin Luther is confused here, and he says, I don't get it, I don't understand. Why does James keep talking about works? So now, it's almost if Paul and James are against each other. However, a little bit of study reconciles the two. For Paul tells us as he's speaking to the Jewish community who believe that if they, if they do good works, that it will be accounted to them in righteousness, that God is owed to let that person into heaven because they keep all the ceremonies. They keep all the good works. They do the ceremonial washings. They bring their sacrifices to God. They bring the lambs and the pigeons and they sacrifice. They keep the, the Passover feast and the unleavened bread and they keep all the good rules. And that's how they'll get to heaven. But Paul tells them that those rules and regulations that you keep are not going to save you. Many people believe that their works will save them. And James does not say that our works will save us. He says you're saved. You are redeemed and you're justified by faith. That's why you do works. It's because you're animated by goodness and grace. What do you mean, preacher? Well, let's study here tonight. If you look in James chapter number 2 tonight, if you're looking at ESV tonight, your English Standard Version, or even King James, it probably says in the overhead, those overhead reviews or overhead uh, uh, overviews tell you that what that part of section of Scripture is about. And it says, faith without works is dead. Verse number 14. What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith and does not have works, 
Can that faith save him? This is basically saying that I believe that Jesus is God. I, I believe that Christ saved sinners. I, I believe that. It's where you profess it, but you don't possess it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You say it, but you don't walk it out. You don't really believe it. This is what James is talking about. Basically, what we're looking at in the book of Romans is before you're saved, that your works are not what's going to save you. You're saved by grace. But after you're redeemed, born again by Jesus Christ and Him alone, you will have works. You will have evidence. There will be evidence that you serve Jesus. But not just a profession. Not just saying I love Jesus, but live like hell. I want you to imagine today if we had a court case and we presented the evidence of you being a believer. If we brought before the judge all the evidence that showed that you were a Christian or a disciple, someone who serves Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you where you would go to the slammer or you would receive the punishment or even the reward for the works you have done? Oh, there might be recordings of you saying you're a Christian. But what have you done? Are you a Christian? You are a Christian because it shows what you've done. You can't say, I love Jesus, and shack up with your girlfriend and your wife. You can't say, I love Jesus, and watch pornography. You can't. There's no such thing as a pornographic Christian. You can't say, I love Jesus and get drunk off your stump every single day or every other day or just on the weekends. You can't. You can say you love Jesus, but does your life say it? I, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions speak much louder. That's what James is saying. He's saying here, he's giving us examples. What good is it, my brothers, if one says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith, can that faith save him? He's saying that it's only a, a word of faith, a, just a word. People give words all day. Words come like nickels in a, a, a like nickels in a gumball machine. Or y'all remember when nickels or dimes were in the gumball machine? Some people are invested in Jesus with nickels and dimes. They'll only come to church on Easter. They might come to church once a quarter if they come at all. They're only lightly invested in Jesus. They only mention Him. But there are those who are all in on Christ, who serve Him, who reign over them, who, who dictates the way they think, how they spend their money, where they spend their free time, how they rest and how they work is all dictated on Christ. There are some who are nickel and dime Jesus, but there are those who are completely sold out or sold into Jesus Christ. But there are those who simply have a profession of faith. Those who mention Jesus, they talk about him, but they don't serve him and listen to him. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? There will be people in your life who will say things, but they don't walk the walk. And I do hope in your life you're not one of those. I'm not here to gather fans for Jesus. I'm here to gather family. Family. Family does for family. We serve Christ. We love Him because He has brought us in. He has grafted us in. 
That faith that only says, says and does not work, the only, the, the only thing that's flapping is their gums and their teeth and their mouth, but their hands are not working for Jesus. That faith cannot save you because you only do what you believe. If you believe that drinking Drano is unhealthy and very harmful, you will not drink Drano. If you really believe that, if you don't believe it, you'll be chugging Drano, walking around, woo, this is some good stuff, drinking Drano. It ain't going to hurt me. I don't know, that's a conspiracy. That's just something the government made up. It, it, there's no proof, there's no evidence, and you'll drink all the Drano. And I want to let you know that you're going to die. You will probably die within the hour if you drink enough. But if you don't believe that, you're going to drink Drano. Now, that's not an endorsement to go out and drink drain for anybody who's, who's not clicking and not understanding what I'm saying. You always do what you believe. If you believe there is a God, you'll live as is there is a God. If you believe that Jesus saved sinners, you will tell people that Jesus saved sinners. You will believe it and go after sinners and tell them that Jesus saved sinners. If you believe that God is a God of grace, you would act that way. If you believe that he sees you even in your thoughts and in the meditations of your heart and your mind, you would bring under authority and under the rulership of Christ all your thoughts and meditations. If you believe that there is a judgment day, you would live as if there's a judgment day where you will give an account for the way you lived, what you did, what you said, and the things you should have done and didn't do. If you really believe that. Oh, I know there's people in our community, even in our congregation, who say there is a God, but they live like hell. There are those who say that, but they don't really believe it. That's what James is telling us. If you really believe it, and you have faith and confidence in Jesus, it will affect every area of your life. If a brother or sister in verse 15 is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. And one, verse 16 of you, says to him, Go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? If we believe that even our closest neighbor in our body of believers need help and we are able to help them and we don't, what good is that? I'm asking, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm not coming down on anybody and saying anybody's lazy. We have got our confession down pat. We know the five solos. We know Martin Luther. We know that what the Bible and the Bible alone, we look at that and we adhere to what it says. We got all the head knowledge. And our hearts belong to Jesus. But do our works belong to Jesus? Are we doing anything for Him whatsoever? Now, your ministry is going to look different than mine. Mine happens to be behind a pulpit. Your ministry might be baking cakes and taking cookies to somebody. Your ministry might be sitting beside your bed at night, wearing your knees into the hardwood floor as you're praying for members of the church and the members of our congregation or even in our community. Your ministry will look different, but it will be something of substance because you have faith and it showed, it's shown in the evidence of what you're doing. God didn't save you to sit on the pew until you die. He brought you in to send you out. Amen, preacher. Amen. Mighty quiet on an Easter afternoon. Amen. He brought you in to send you out. If you were starving in the streets and somebody came to you and said, Hey, they're giving away bread around the corner. 
You would be grateful to the person who told you they're giving you bread around the corner. You would go and consume the bread. And as you're eating it, you'll remember your friends around the way who don't know that they're giving bread away just right where you are. So you'll take handfuls and you'll run to your friends. Maybe give them bread, but tell them where to get the bread. Because you believe that the bread will sustain them, help them, keep them. Some of y'all have been feasting far too long and you have not told People were to get the bread. People are starving in the streets. There's grace and mercy here. Forgiveness found here. And people are burdened down with grudges, broken, minds confused and clouded. And we can tell them, hey, go there, come to Jesus. He'll heal you, redeem you, hold on to you and keep you. But maybe we just don't believe it. That's probably what it is. We really don't believe that. We really don't believe he's a healer anymore. We don't believe that Jesus saves sinners. I used an adage this morning. I talked about how people always say, people don't change. That's not true. People do change. The only thing that doesn't change is Jesus. Jesus don't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's redeeming, holy. He's gracious and kind and steadfast and merciful. And that's why people are able to change because of Jesus. Amen, somebody. We see here that what good is it if you tell somebody, hey, go in peace, be warm and be filled. No! you, you got to do something. Martin Luther, once again, as I fall back on what he said, he said, God don't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Amen. Go ahead, preacher. You're slapping like Will Smith. Come on. Come on. We see here that when God saves you and redeems you in such a way, you can't sit still. I, I, I've been set free. I had to go tell the other prisoners that he's the one who sets the captives free. I gotta, I, he's influenced me so greatly that it's just not my profession. It's my possession of grace and mercy. I just got to share it. He's a redeemer. And let me tell you what he's done for me. As you share the good news, as you tell them the where to find nutrients and where to find bread. So what it means here, I remember a song back in the day that said love is a verb. When you love somebody, it shows. It ain't just lip service. If there is any in our congregation who are in our body of believers and you need help, well, I want to go ahead and let you know in Galatians there are no mind readers in the church. There are no psychics here. If you need help, tell somebody. I need help. Call a deacon. Talk to somebody in the congregation. Help me. And then we'll see if we really do love. If we really do love. If we really do love, we'll open the doors to those who aren't very churched. People who, who don't know much about the Bible, we'll swing the doors wide open. We'll, we'll bring in the street kids. We'll bring in those who are suffering. Those who, aren't, who don't dress like us. Whose skin ain't the same color as us. Who ain't in the same tax bracket as us. We'll find out if we really love and if it's really true what we believe. That Jesus saves sinners. And I can tell you this at the river. We really believe that Jesus saves sinners. How can you prove it? Here we are. We know He saves sinners. There ain't nobody judging nobody here. Ain't nobody looking down off our high horse. There was one guy in the Bible who was on the high horse on his way to Damascus. His name was Paul. And God knocked him off his high horse. Jesus spoke to him and said, Why do you persecute me? Anybody here who judges anybody else? 
it won't be long before Jesus knocks you off your high horse. You'll lay in the dust like everybody else and realize that you're only saved by grace. And when you realize you're saved by grace and you're justified by faith, it animates you. It makes you want to do things for Christ. Not that you do things for Christ to get heaven. No, you're already going to heaven. Now I want to teach. I want to serve the body. I want to reach outside the walls of the church and tell people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not doing it so I can earn heaven. That's what James, well, that's what Paul was talking about. People trying to get to heaven by their good works. But James is telling us, no, you're, you're, you're saved. And you put faith in Christ and that causes you to have good works. Amen. 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 We see here that in verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is there enough evidence tonight to convict you of being a follower of Jesus Christ? I want you to imagine the bailiff comes in and has everybody stand. They present their cases. He says this, Your Honor. He says this. However, here's the evidence. What would be on the table? Would it be your time in Bible study or teaching classes? Would it be your time in prayer? Would it be your tithing and giving of your hard-earned money to keep the lights on in the church? Or even sending your money overseas to build churches? Will it be your time in prayer for the pastor and the deacons and the elders of Riverside? Will it be praying for the denomination? Will it be praying for the community at large? Will it be your hands that actually dig into the dirt in the flower bed to reset it to make sure it's clean? Will it be, will it be making biscuits or sausage or eggs for the people who are doing it? You can say, well, I can't go overseas to plant churches. I can't build orphanages. Well, if you can't, you can hold the ropes for the one who goes. Amen, Amen somebody. You know that's good. Amen. We see here, show me your faith apart from your works. In verse number 18, and I will show you my faith by your works, is what James says. He says, I got to see something tangible. In our society, people say, I got to see it to believe it. Church, they can hear us all day. Unless they see it, they ain't going to believe it. What's it look like when you believe that Jesus saved sinners? You still pray for that one you believe is a lost cause. And you pray for the ones who stumble in the doors here. You don't judge them because they wear hats and they have baggy pants and they sag. You just be glad they're there. You, you, don't, you don't complain about, well, they smoke, they're loud. And I'm talking about the deacons. They, 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 they're out loud, outside, they're loud, and they're mean. I'm just glad they're here. We don't complain and get mad because the church is flourishing again. Yeah, whenever we have our four no more, we can keep control over our church and believe, well, we got this, we got our few and no more. But when the, the doors are open and Jesus beckons them and brings them in and saves them and redeems them, we can't get mad because we believe that He saves sinners. We just believe it. And when He does it, we shouldn't be surprised because we already believed it. Amen, amen, amen. What good is your works? What, is, what good is your faith if you don't have works? If you believe the good news of the gospel changes people, well, you'll, 
You'll support our TV ministry. You'll support, you'll support our radio ministry. You'll support these young ministers that are rising up within our congregation who want to preach the gospel. You'll go by and say, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. You'll, you'll go to our young worker, Dane, who's working with our youth now. You'll go by him and say, I've heard some good news what you're doing. I know you started just last week, but the children are excited because you taught a lesson on Daniel and then you ran them around the field a couple of times, wearing them out, teaching them that when Nebuchadnezzar came out to Shadrach and Meshach and Benedictine, he had to chase them down to snatch them up. That's what Dane did. Wonderful. Thank you, Dane, for doing that because our children are excited to learn about the book of Daniel. Amen. When Rico stands up here and he gives a devotion, afterwards you say, Rico, what you said really touched me. Don't quit. Don't give up. There's a lot of reasons that pastors quit every month. Thousands of pastors quit. Why don't you be the reason somebody don't quit? Why don't you be the reason somebody decides to pastor? Why don't you? That's another way. Your faith can be a work. Just be an encourager. Amen. Amen. Somebody. Amen. When Sylvester goes and he does a Bible study at the house, afterwards go up to a Sylvester. What you said really touched me. Don't lie now. Don't lie. Amen. Amen. Encourage him. Amen. When the ladies auxiliary may go to somebody who's leading the class and say, thank you for opening that book and showing me what the scripture says and encouraging me to get through the day. Amen, somebody. Amen. Your faith will always have works. It's just like on a bird. A bird. Nobody can fly with one wing. You need two wings. And they pop together. Faith and works. They go together. And with that, we'll fly. Amen. Okay. I'm out. Get some with that. We see where. Amen. Verse 17. And so also faith by itself does not have works is dead. If you got faith and you ain't got no works today, you're a corpse. You're a bloated corpse. You'll know the name of our church is called the river. We're not a stagnant lake. For six years I've poured in through Christ working through me. Christ speaking to our people. And the thing about a river is it flows. It has an outlet. If you've been sitting in the pew and just soaking up the air conditioning and you have not found a ministry of somewhere where you can spread the good news of the gospel, get to work. Otherwise, your works are useless because you don't have faith in Christ. Because if you have faith in Christ, then you'll have works. Now, maybe you don't... You don't have faith in Jesus, and maybe you're trusting in your works. Well, we've talked about that in the book of Romans. But if you have works, it proves you have faith in Christ. I will show you my faith by my works, is what he says in verse 18. Verse 19, he tells us, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Even the devils believe there is a God. Did you know that most... All the demons, they have a better theology than most of us. They're Trinitarian. They believe there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when they hear there is a God, they know there's a God. They shudder. They actually move. Most Christians hear there's a God. Hear there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they don't move. They don't even do nothing. They react whenever they hear there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most Christians do not. I ain't talking about us. We see here that they shudder. I was speaking to one man one time. He says, I believe there's a God. 
I said, well, that's good. You reached demon level. Good. You know there's a God. Good. You're at demon level now. Now you can know His name because He knows yours. He took your place. He laid down Himself to die for wretches and sinners like us. Ooh, that's sweet to me, TP. I don't know about you, but that makes me smile because I know me. I don't know y'all that well. But I know me and I know the dirt I've done. And Jesus, he, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, while we were in the middle of our sins, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get sober. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life. He didn't wait for you to get all that racism out of you. And he didn't wait for you to deal with your issues and get rid of that anger problem while you were yet a sinner. Everybody here is good looking mostly. You got most of your stuff together. Most of us got good credit, some of us. And we, we got some stuff going. We're doing all right. And we'll say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll stick up for them. I'll do something for them. But you ain't seen us in our dirt and our sin. Come on. And Christ saw us there. And yet, he still volunteered. He still, I'll take their spot. I'll, I'll, I'll bear their wrath on, their, on your behalf, Lord Jesus. Amen. In the middle of all my mess, he saved me and redeemed me. So now you understand why we act a little crazy? Why we get a little teary-eyed? It was Christ who died for me. And that, you know what that, was, that makes me want to do? If he's willing to die for me, I'm willing to live for him. And if I had 10,000 lives, 10,000 lives, I'll give them all to him. He's worth. People look at worth. If you look at investment, time, and energy. And if you believe something has worth, you invest that. There's some who did not believe tonight was worth coming for. I, don't get me wrong. Now, I ain't picking on nobody. I know it's a holiday and everything, but it is Easter. I mean, let's go to church. I did hear one church stay closed on Christmas because they thought it's time to get together with family. <laughs> what? And Christmas is about Christ. Don't we say he's the reason for the season? I mean, come on. Amen. Investment, time, and energy. Some people are nickel and dime Jesus. Don't believe he's worth that much investment. He might be worth a prayer over the dinner. Dear Jesus, bless the hand that made this for us. Amen. And you're eating nachos and everything that's unhealthy, believing that God's going to bless that to make your body healthy. That's all they do. Believe it's a magical formula. They don't invest in Christ. And the truth is Christ is invested in them. So they don't believe he's worthy. Those people who don't believe He's worthy, then they don't have faith in Him. See, it's one thing to know that a car is safe enough to get you from point A to point B. And you can stand by the car and inspect it. Look at the tires. Wow, that's a nice car. Look at it. It's got enough tread. Oh, I Look at all these airbags. Okay, this is a nice car. But it's another thing to get in the car and go from point A to point B. You can know all about Jesus. You even know about the maps in the back. You know where Gilgal is and all them places. You know, you know where the Jordan is and the Red Sea. But it's another thing to put your trust in Jesus. You, you understand what I'm saying? And when you put your trust in Him, that's when you have faith in Him. And when you have faith in Him, you're able to do works for Him. Amen. We see where James continues. He says... The demons, they shudder. But in verse 20, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
Some people do works to get their name known. Some people want to make sure everybody knows they did it so they can get the credit. Because they're banking in their works to get them to heaven. But we have been saved by grace alone. And we have faith alone in Jesus alone. The Bible tells us alone that He did that. And God alone receives the glory. So when we understand that, our faith is never alone. We have works that show that we believe that. If you truly believe that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, you don't care what Caesar says. I mean, you adhere to Caesar. That's what Romans says. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but give to Christ. Give to God what's God's. But when you really know that Jesus is in control of everything, you won't take blood pressure medicine and anxiety pills because you can't control everything because you know the one who is in control. You hear me? Don't say, hey, preacher said I can't take my medicine. I didn't say that. I'm telling you, Jesus is in control. If you still need medicine, that's fine. If you need a therapist, go to the therapist. That's okay. You can have a therapist that still loves Jesus and Jesus still loves you. But a lot more problems will be annihilated if we just believed in Jesus. Yes. Oh, we know about Him. But do you believe in Him? It's one thing to, to know about God, but to believe God. Believe Him, what He said. Here, James is really breaking it down for us. He's calling us foolish. And he lets us know that faith apart from works is useless. What you doing, to put it plainly? What are you doing? That shows us the evidence of your faith. That shows us tangibly that you believe that there is a God. Now in Romans chapter 3 verse 28, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Paul again echoes in our ears that you are not saved by the works of the law. But we just read that James says we cannot have works without faith and faith without works is dead. And Romans 4 through 5, and the one who does not, does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Once again, I want to remind you that Paul was telling us in the book of Romans, before you are saved, that your works will not save you. But after you are saved, you will have works. You will have proof that you believe that Jesus is God and you're saved by grace alone. But you don't put your hope in your works. So that's where we always get cloudy. We get redeemed and saved radically by Jesus. And then we start to believe that we're good enough for heaven. That's how it works. Pride rears its ugly head up in our lives. And we believe that we're owed heaven because we ain't cussed all week. We're owed heaven because we've been kind and gentle to those who've been persecuted towards us. But we're saved simply by grace. I want to also tell you that true faith requires compassion in action. An English preacher happened to come across a friend who had accidentally killed his horse. While the crowd of onlookers expressed sympathy in empty words, the preacher stepped forward and said to the loudest, uh, said to the loudest sympathizer, I'm sorry, five pounds. How much are you sorry? Then he passed a hat. Profession requires action or it's not even real. In that story, the man's horse was dead and people were standing around, oh, I'm so sorry. But then the preacher said, I'm, I'm willing to pay 
so you can replace the horse. Oh, he got real quiet. Now, I'm not going to take up offering. That's not what I'm going for. I'm not, I don't want your money. Don't get me wrong. Okay, okay. I'm going after your heart. Right, right. When you invest in something, I believe that Jesus died for sinners. I really believe that. So I'm invested at the river. I believe that whenever the gospel is presented, that the Holy Spirit changes people. <laughs> I believe it. And if you believe that, if you believe that, you invite the lost cause, the church. You invite your neighbor. You invite your friends and even your enemies. You you invite. You not only invite. You'll bring them. You'll do everything you can legally to get them here. I'm not saying put anybody in a trunk. Miss Connie's done that before, where you put somebody in the trunk and brought them to church. No, that was a long time ago, y'all. God forgave her. But you, <laughs> she'll explain later. But she's brought them to church. She got them here, and they heard the good news. If you believe that, you invite them. If you believe this is a place where there's substance and grace and mercy and it's worth it, we'll see it in your walk. We'll see it in your talk. Because faith, without works, is dead. He, he says again to Abraham in verse 21, Our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. Whenever... In Genesis chapter 15, whenever God comes to Abraham and he tells him, I am your exceedingly great reward. Telling Abraham, I'm everything you need. And Abraham says, well, I don't have a son to inherit my name. I know you promised me that I'll have an inheritance. And I'm pretty sure you're going to use Ishmael. And God tells him, no, it's not going to be Ishmael. I'm going to actually rise up through your DNA and your heritage, your son. And he believed he believed God. When you're reading the Scriptures, listen to me really carefully. When you read in the Scriptures that He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Lean into that. Believe that. Believe in that. When everybody forsakes you, believe that. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. When He says, I'll leave the 99 to find the one. Believe that. I really believe that, Jesus. When I wander from you, you'll come find me. When nobody else will. When he says, the bigger sinner you are, the more willing and pleased he is to save. Believe that. Don't run from him. Come to him. Amen. Lean into his promises. Be like Abraham. When God spoke to him, he believed it. Do you believe it today? If you believe it, you won't just say, yeah, I believe that. You'll show it in your walk and the way you live. Far too many times people come to church and they walk and they walk through the pews and they have a profession, but their actions speak too loud and I can't even hear their profession anymore. <coughs> they believe that God is God, but they actually... Live as if they're God. That everybody should bow to their needs and their wants. They actually believe there is no judgment day because of the way they live. They actually believe that everything is contingent on them. And they have to hold reality together. If you believe it, we'll see it in the way you walk. 
If you'll notice here at the river, I don't do a lot of say this prayer after me. And the reason being is far too long, it's been done from the pulpit where people will say a little prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And they'll get up and think they're going to heaven and they don't have to change and they don't have to do anything. The sinner's prayer has probably sent more people to hell than anything. Because they've not changed. Their faith is not evident. They don't put their faith in Christ. And then when they put their faith in Christ, they don't have any works to show it. They just get up and say a little phrase and they believe it's a magic spell. And now they're going to heaven and nothing is required of them. They're not invested in anything. They're not being conquered by Christ. They're not born again. Changed. They have no faith and they have no works. Oh, there's some who profess it, but they have no works. They're false converts. They're not believers. They're not Christians. They're not disciples. And far too long the church is trying to cater to the lost. Come in with rock bands and laser shows, carnivals to gather a crowd. Oh, we can gather a crowd. I can get a crowd here. But Jesus tells me, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. It's Him who saves. It's Him who redeems. It's Him right now who uses me as a vehicle, who speaks. You would hear the, the voice of the Good Shepherd speaking to the sheep. And you know what I'm saying is true. And it testifies to your heart. What He's saying is true. And I believe that. I will trust in Him. Where He leads me, I will follow. He is my shepherd. And I'll follow Him. We see where James continues and he tells us how Abraham believed God and he was justified. In verse 22, we see that the faith was active along with his works and faith was complete by his works. He did this in faith. If God has called you to do something, listen to me. Believe Him and do that for Him. If God has told you, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to... There's a lot of people who should be here tonight to hear this, but they didn't make it for some reason. That's okay, we got a podcast. If God has called you to do something, you say, that's too big for me, I can't do that. You're the right one then. Because if you can do it without Him, you don't need Him. It should look bigger than you. It should scare you. It should terrify you. It terrifies me every Sunday and every Wednesday when I stand behind this pulpit and I preach to a graveyard. That's what I'm doing. Because I can't excite you. When I, oh, I there's a preaching style. I can preach like this uh, and get you excited. We can have an organ and do people do flips and get you excited. And the goosebumps will be gone before you get to the car. So we're not going to do hype. So let's just lift up Jesus. I proclaim Him and talk about how He saves and how He redeems. And the Holy Spirit works and He redeems. He tears open the stony hearts, remove them and put in a heart of flesh. He sprinkles clean water on you and He claims you as His own. It's Him who does the work. It's Him who redeems. It's Him who saves. No hype. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. You see that faith was active along with His works. And faith was complete by His works. In verse 23, And the Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. I ask you tonight, are you a friend of God? Do you believe God when He makes proclamations? When He tells you, I love you in spite of you. I'll never leave you. Nothing will separate you from my love. Height, depth, width, 
Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Romans chapter number 8. But time will not wear him out. Distance will not keep him from reaching you. God has no blind spots. You're never out of his eyesight. He will steady you. And He will hold you. He will even lead you by hand. That's His promises to you. Do you believe that today? If you believe that, it will affect what you do and how you live. It was accounted to Him as righteousness in 23. And He was called a friend of God. I'm asking you tonight, do you believe God when He speaks to you? Do you believe that when He tells you He'll be faithful even if you're faithless. Do you believe that? I heard one man who said, i got to keep myself saved. <laughs> what? <laughs> How do you keep yourself saved? You didn't even save you to begin with. Well, it ain't up to you. Right, 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 right. What you mean, preacher? I've heard that i got to keep myself saved. Right. No. Jesus saves. Amen. That's what it says. It's, the Bible says that He saves you. And if He's able to save you, He's able to keep you. And when you stumble and when you fall, the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. That means we got a, for those who don't know, a lawyer, someone who argues your case. And, and it ain't really no argument. All, all it is is that he presents the evidence that his blood was enough to wash away your sins. So now, you're not under bondage anymore. You're not a slave to fear. You're not a slave to sin. You're a slave to Christ. You belong to Him. He purchased you. You're His. How, how many of you will go to the grocery store and spend a lot of money on groceries these days and go out and push the grocery cart into the fire lane and walk away? No, who ain't going to do that? You know how much that eggs cost? You know how much that bologna cost? You know how much that bread cost? I'm not going to just leave my investment in the fire lane and walk away. If we won't do that in the natural then our God won't do that in the supernatural. Amen. He pleaded and bled. He died for us. It was a cost. You have to understand. For the wages of sin is death. He died for us because of our sins. And now there's an investment in us. He died for us and He's able to keep us. Amen. I don't make you happy, but that sure does make me happy. That in spite of me, He still loves me. That He don't give up on me when I stumble and when I fall. And rest assured, I do and I will. He's patient and He's kind. Like the song says, He walks with me and He talks with me and He claims me as His very own. That means He saved me. He keeps me and He holds me all by Himself. The only thing that I brought to the table was a sin that made it necessary. So keeping yourself saved, the pressure's off. Jesus when he died on the cross said it's finished there's nothing left for you to do it was all him it's been him from the beginning so have faith in that and when you have faith in that your works will show that you have faith in that Hallelujah. in verse 24 you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone when you have faith alone you'll have faith and also works along with faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the message, messengers and sent them on another way? Rahab, back in the book of, book of Exodus, believed 
that God's people were coming to tear down Jericho. And she reacted in a way that showed that she believed it. Church, you ain't saved to just soak up air conditioning, come to Bible studies and go home. The book of Ephesians says you were, you were saved for good works. There's stuff for you to do. There's something for you to do. Now, uh, your, your doing is different than my doing. And I'm not judge your doing. You don't judge mine. Because we read the book of Romans chapter 14 that laborers don't judge each other by what they're doing. What we do is pray for each other. But I do ask, what are you doing for Jesus? Maybe you don't have faith in Jesus. Maybe you don't believe He still saves sinners. Maybe you don't believe that you're, you're even saved. Maybe you're exhausted from religion and doing and going and always pursuing to earn heaven. Fall back into orders of grace today and know that He saved wretches like us. Napoleon back in, back in that war, uh, there was a time where he was opening his map. In those days, they were on horseback. And he was opening about looking at the battlefield. And as he does, he lets go of the reins of the horse. And when he does, the horse rears up and is about to flip Napoleon off. But right there beside him was a, a, a regiment of soldiers who were at attention. And as their emperor Napoleon starts to fall backwards, one of the soldiers reaches out and grabs the reins of the horse and brings the horse back under control. And Napoleon was so excited and so pleased that this soldier, a corporal, reached out and grabbed the reins of the horse that he called him a captain. And he said, I captain, sir. I captain of what? And Napoleon said, of my guards. And what did that corporal do when he let go of the reins and gave it back to the emperor? He started to walk across the field with his rifle. He tossed it to the side. And as he gets closer... Gets closer to the planning and war table where all the guard were. They said, what are you doing? As he walks closer, he starts to rip off the patches that called him a corporal because he was promoted at that moment. They said, what are you doing over here? He said, I'm now a captain of the guard. By whose orders? He said, our emperor Napoleon. Now, he would have done fine if he just took the reins of the horse and brought the horse under control and stood out of attention right there in the regiment. But he believed Napoleon when he told him, I'm promoting you. You're now a captain of the guard. And he showed that he believed Napoleon when he walked across the field and tore off the patches that said he was a corporate. And now he's a captain of the guard. Do you believe Jesus today? Do you believe Him? I didn't say you believe in Him. Do you believe Him? If you believe that you're redeemed, you act like you're redeemed. If you believe that He died for sinners, you would act like it and believe it and tell people. As He walked across that field, it showed that He had belief in what the emperor told Him. The one who was in charge told Him, now you're a captain. You ain't a corporal no more. You just got promoted. Some of y'all just don't believe God. I understand. But some of you do. Some of you do. You believe that He sets the captives free. You just do. You believe that He's faithful even when you're faithless. You just, you just believe that. I believe that He washes away sins. I believe that. And when we have faith, our works will work together and we fly to bring Him glory. Let's bow our heads. Father, 
thank you today as we had gathered here on this beautiful Easter afternoon. And we believe that we believe it, and Lord, we also have.